Hey everybody, Aaron here. Just want to let you know that Brian and I are working on more episodes of our Tough Questions for the Current Crisis series. But for this week, enjoy an episode where I sit down with my friend Mike Neglia and talk about an issue known as imposter syndrome. It's a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Good Lion Podcast. I am Aaron Salvato, and today I'm joined with a guy who I am really honored and blessed to call a friend. It's Mike Neglia. Welcome. Hi, Aaron. That made me smile. <laughs> Dude, it's so good to have you on the show. How are you? Good. I'm a I'm a longtime listener, first time guest to the Good Lion Podcast. Aw, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's- I'm, yeah. I'm- I'm doing good. We were, we were talking off air a few minutes ago. Yes. I'm at the end. I'm at the end of a long day with a, a few things went wrong during the day. So I'm got a bit of frustration. Yeah. But what what went wrong? To this. I was it's today is today is Wednesday and I had to record the sermon for Sunday morning. I'm a pastor of a church mm-hmm. and I preached the sermon and basically I was like, rounding home base and heading for third. I was just making my concluding points. And then I stepped on a cable and it was a power strip, actually stepped on a power strip and then it turned off the power and then the camcorder turned off and the file was lost. So had to sit down, breathe, (laughs) and then basically start over all over again. So that is, that's, it's soul crushing. That's terrible. I know. I know it's, I mean, it's it's preaching God's word. It's a good thing. It's like on paper, it's my favorite thing to do. Hmm. But it, preaching alone in a room to a video camera is kind of a weird experience. Oh, yeah. And then to have to do it essentially two times in a row is um, is weird. However, I'm happy that I get to do it. I just I just imagine you stepping on that power strip, and then the camera just slowly zooms on your face while uh, "Hello Darkness" my old friend starts playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Sad trombone. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Totally. Well, it's so good to have you on the show because um, for those of you guys who don't know, Mike Neglia is the senior pastor or do you call it senior or lead pastor over in Ireland? Uh, we, go, uh, we go for lead. We lead. go for lead. I like lead better. But yeah, it, lead pastor of Calvary Cork in Ireland. He's the host of the Expositors Collective podcast and one of the founding members of the Expositors Collective. And Mike, you are just seriously one of you're, you're you're in this group of like Gen Xer pastors that I look up to so much, and I I I'm so blessed that we're friends. I can say this honestly that the Expositors Collective, which if you guys haven't heard the podcast, just stop listening to this and go listen to Expositors Collective first because it's it's that good. But Expositors Collective, for me, is kind of a movement that has been very impactful in a way where kind of a comparison I would have is five or six years ago when I started getting into the Bible Project, it was a big impact on me in the way I did ministry. And I feel like Expositors Collective is in a similar vein. That That is so kind, Aaron. A, I know how much the Bible Project has impacted you. So to be <laughs> in a similar like orbit as them, that's uh, that's saying a lot. So thank you very much. And to some degree, I, I kind of agree, you know, mm. I'm sort of the main, the main voice of the Expositors Collective, right. at least on the podcast, right. but I'm certainly not the main, the only person in it. And so I, I also agree. I think it's great. I just can't believe the good things that have been happening in and through it. And yeah, yeah a lot of times I kind of, you know, yeah, pinch myself and be like, I can't <laughs> believe this is so good. And then B, that I get to be part of it. This is wonderful. So yeah, it's, yeah I, it's I, I agree. And I, I take that compliment and I'm not even, 
I don't even feel bad about taking it because I feel just like, <laughs> yeah, it is good, isn't it? I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's 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 kind of a paradigm shift thing for me where it's just exciting because the Bible Project was something that got me and, and Tim Mackey and his ministry was something that got me to really start looking into Christ-centeredness and Christ-centered preaching and kind of how all of Scripture is centered on Christ. So when Expositors Collective came along, it just got me so excited because the Bible Project was this paradigm shift for me where I just saw it as something within our movement, Calvary Chapel, as something that was going to bring a lot of focus on Christ-centered preaching and move people to just take preaching much more seriously. So once again, if you guys listening haven't heard the Expositors Collective podcast, go check it out. It's uh, The podcast is kind of your first step into a bigger world. That is the Expositors Collective movement. So there's my plug for that. Man, thank you. That's that's great. You know, we just started a, a Facebook group like a couple awesome. days ago. So I, yeah, where the it's an ever expanding universe. <laughs> that's awesome. You and I had a conversation, man. I feel like months ago we were talking about something called imposter syndrome, and we decided yeah. today would be a good time to talk about that because I feel like it's something a lot of people deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I've, I've scrolled back looking for that text thread and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't find it, but I actually remember I, I was walking from the office. I was walking past the library on my way to cross the Nanonagle bridge to, to my house. And so I, I remember it was raining and I remember, yeah, just texting back and forth with you. And I had that moment where I was like, Ooh, I might've gotten like a little too personal there. I might've like gotten, I might've overshared a little I bit, loved it. but I loved it. Yeah, me too. I, and I'm trying to <laughs> scroll back and find it because, <laughs> but, but it was, yeah, just this kind of, yeah, I think you just brought up something and we we're going back and forth about something that, yeah, I think, I don't even know if we used the word imposter syndrome. Maybe we did, but I think we did. I think you, okay. I think you introduced me to that phrase and it was something where I was yeah. like, oh, this is how I felt basically my entire life. I'm glad somebody <laughs> put words to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, my condolences. I'm sorry that you feel that way. <laughs> I often feel that way as, as well. Yeah. I think it's kind of maybe to, to try to define it. Yeah. Let's define um, it. What is, what yeah. is imposter syndrome? I think it's this, like this sneaking, it, it's probably rooted with a, with a firm belief that I'm not as good as everyone thinks I am. Mm-hmm. And then a sneaking suspicion that I'm about to be caught or discovered at any moment. I think that's maybe more of a, I, I, yeah, somebody else could maybe define it better, but that's like, kind of my feeling of it. Like, like this feeling that you're going to be exposed to not be who you say you are, that you're not going to kind of live up to your own hype or the way that you present yourself. Is that kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, if we could just back, you know, um, rewind about three minutes ago, you gave me this really nice introduction and I was even <laughs> feeling it then. I'm like, uh, I wish this was true, but it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's, it doesn't really have to do with the matter of performance. Mm. Uh, I think it has to do with like a feedback loop that maybe some people, perhaps everybody, I don't know, but get into where they have a a lot of maybe self-doubt and probably the biblical word, well, maybe it's just a matter of insecurity and self-doubt. And then also it's a matter of not really truly taking to heart the the promises of God or the identity Mm. statements that God makes about me. And yeah, I think that's maybe some of the uh, edging towards a better definition. Aaron, I bet you have a good one. Well, (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know if I have a definition that's different than that. I just have a lot of experience feeling that way. Pretty much, you know, my whole life just feeling like, like even going back to like when I was in school, just a feeling of I wish I was like other people. And then when I would be good at something, I would just feel like, oh, you know, I've, I've kind of got this house of cards, but it's going to come tumbling down at any minute. And I found a meme actually that I'm looking at right now that it says my eternal creative struggle. And I feel like this sums up for a lot of creatives and ministry people, kind of the imposter syndrome. So it's, it's, I'm looking at a loop, like an infinity loop. And it starts with, I did, I did a thing people like, and then it goes, I'm a success. And then it goes, but what if this is the last good thing I ever do? Then it goes, maybe I'm doing okay. Then it goes to, no, I'm not. Then it goes, that other person is doing okay and I'm not them. Therefore, I'm a huge giant failure. Then it goes to starts job hunting. Then it goes to, what am I doing with my life? And then it goes back to, I did a thing that people like. And it just repeats the process over and over again. Does that resonate at all with you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And I wonder, is it is it to some degree, you and I are both, we, we create things for public, I don't want to say consumption, but stuff goes out to the public, you know? Yeah. I wonder, is that something, is it it maybe something that more is like, is an artist or creative unique problem? Or do we just live in an insecure age and everyone feels this way? You know, I can speak from my experience. I I started creating things at a very young age. And actually that was, that was how I found my worth in school was I wasn't really attractive. I wasn't really athletic, but I was the kid who made extra credit videos in class. And so when I would make those videos, I would find my affirmation in that. And that's kind of been a struggle throughout my life, even in ministry is, you know, am I defining myself by my preaching or the way I do ministry. So I, I know that that's a struggle for me as somebody who considers himself creative. And I feel <laughs> the imposter syndrome even saying that, mm. like, am I really as creative as other people? But I'm sure there's so many people out there who are not in creative fields who go with this, who, they struggle with this as well. I'm sure they feel this way as well, because I feel like, especially in the age of social media, there's always this ideal of who we think we should be. And I feel like everybody deep down knows they're not living up to the ideal. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe one, one last thought on like the, the creative aspect of it. I came across this quote a while ago and it really kind of stung. It's actually from Oprah Winfrey. She says, every day you're only as good as your last show. Hmm. And you know, she has, is it a daily show? I think it, I think it used to be anyway, but you know, every, every time she has to create something good and then the next day has to be up to the same standard. And whether Mm. it's, yeah, graphic design or video or Sunday sermons or uh, meals for the family, there's this expectation that, well, like what you were saying earlier, like, yeah, they, they like this, but will they like the next one? Yeah. That's brutal. Like I, I actually, I watched a YouTube video of a guy who he would do these very elaborate, just well-produced video critiques of movies and TV shows. And his production was like off the charts. It was so good. I, I enjoyed tuning into his 20 minute videos, every episode that came out. And then he put out a video and it was still the same production level. You know, it, it wasn't just him sitting in front of a camera. It, it, he produced this massively well done video that was basically him saying, 
this is exhausting and I feel like I'm only as good as my last video and it's taking a toll on me and it's really, really hard. And it struck a chord with me because I feel like that's how a lot of people feel. Like, have, have you ever felt that way with sermons? I'm only as good as my last sermon. <sighs> like, I, like I must, I must, <laughs> I hope not. I, I think that... You, you know, you know, I don't really know. I I don't about sermons, even that's though good. funny enough that that's my most public and my most my most um, out there and most regular thing. <laughs> right. But I what I get what I get really anxious about or insecure about is unscripted things <laughs> like this, like even <laughs> a little bit, little yeah. <laughs> even even last week because you know we're recording this during lockdown. Probably you know who knows how long this will last. It might be redundant to say this because. Whatever. But, you know, last week I did something I was actually requested by by the church to do this. Like, hey, could mm. you do like a just like a um, Q&A theology thing? Mm. Yeah. And I said, oh, of course, I'd love to. I love theology. I'm I'm in seminary right now. I've been reading theology books for, you know, 15 years. I'd love to. And in like the the hour and a half beforehand leading up to like the one o'clock, you know, lunchtime theology hour that was like scheduled when I was so excited to do it, but then all of a sudden I got, I was like, what if I don't, what if I don't know? What if I am, what if I'm a fraud? What if yeah. I'm only, you know, and I got like upset to my stomach was like pacing around the place, really praying because I had this like insecurity that I was going to be exposed, that people would find out that I'm not really that smart or that, you know, someone can ask a very simple question and I'd get flummoxed by it. So yeah, it's, a, it's a really right. interesting situation. Yeah. So so to answer your question, n no, I really maybe I don't feel that way about sermons, perhaps because if if there is this imposter syndrome in me, which perhaps is, is the case, probably is. I think that causes me to work super hard on them beforehand yeah. where I put a lot, a lot more work into them than a lot of my peers do. So there's, there's confidence and, going into it. Well, yeah, I think there's confidence that goes into it probably because of the even the, the Oprah Winfrey type quotes or <laughs> was it Casey Neistat you were referencing earlier on? No. OK, because of that kind of. Yeah. So I, I, because of the fear of doing something poorly, I, I don't want to feel bad afterwards. So I do a lot of work beforehand. Yeah, that's really, really good. And I I feel like there are things in our life where we have that confidence because it's, it's kind of in our wheelhouse. Like for me, honestly, with sermons, when I was preaching, you know, two times a week in my youth pastor job for the students and then often for the adults, I, I had reached a place where I had kind of hit that level of confidence where I wasn't really judging my worth or myself. It wasn't just confidence. It was sort of a reliance on the Lord. And I felt like I'd reached a healthy place with it where I wasn't judging my worth based on my preaching. And it sounds like that's where mm. you're at too. Maybe, you know, the years of preaching combined with all these awesome interviews that you've done with great preachers, hearing their struggles has been uh, formative for not just the people listening, but for you too. But I know for me, when, it, when I go outside of preaching to things that are not as comfortable for me, like what you're describing, that's where the imposter syndrome totally settles in. Like, we were talking before the podcast about um, video and how everybody's doing video right now. And I've tried to produce these videos, but I've noticed that the things that are really getting traction right now are live videos. And it seems like it's so easy to just go live. But I, for the same reason you're describing, I've hesitated to go live because it's, 
I just, I know myself and in my podcast, I can kind of position myself to sound better than I actually am, but through editing and just through steady and research. But when it's live, I have a tendency sometimes, um, I just, I know myself. And when I get to a point where my brain starts to shut down, cause I don't know what to say next. I start to stutter. I say like, and um, way too much. And it's embarrassing. And other people probably don't even notice as much. But for me, it's that it's totally that idea of oh, everyone's going to know I'm not uh, the way I position myself. Yeah. Yep. The ability to edit, I think, is, is nice. It's so nice. <laughs> if, yes, it is. But if we maybe make a habit of editing too much, then it means that we have to live up to this edited version of ourselves in real life, which yeah. we can't. That's true. That's very, very yeah. true. And then, yeah, you know, the same thing with whatever Instagram filters or whatever. If we if we present this really curated version of ourselves, then it's a real challenge to live up to that. And mm-hmm. and funny enough, too, you know, with going back to sermons, maybe one final time again, I'm I don't edit anything. You know, it's it goes out there and I, I've never <laughs> tweaked anything. Um, right. But like I said earlier, I do so much like pre-editing. I put yeah. so much work into it on, on the front end to make sure that it's like worthy of consumption. And so yeah. I, I don't edit anything afterwards, but at least for that one aspect, I put a lot of thought into what happens beforehand. And that's true of a lot of my interactions too. I am mm-hmm. a pretty, I could be a pretty awkward person. And <laughs> <laughs> I try to remedy that by like, Oh man, if I, if I could show you my search history, it would be pretty embarrassing because I look up things like how to make small talk or (laughs) what to do at a party or so there's wait, I I actually have a story about you if that's okay. And I really, I don't even know if you'll remember it because it was after your, it was after your car accident when you got hit by that car. And do you, do you remember or have you heard from people that you were kind of a little like loopy for a while? Yeah, I've heard that. So <laughs> this sounds like a great story, man. <laughs> we, I don't know how long it was. I feel like it was uh, a month or so after, but we, we had gotten together in California at Marietta to hang out. And I brought one of my high school students, Trevor Clark with me. This is back when I was the high school pastor and I had brought you a book because we had been voxering and you were saying that you were looking for things to read. And I feel like, I don't know what happened, but like for a while after your accident, it was like, you didn't have a filter like that part of your brain was gone for a while. It's totally back now, but for a while you, so I I gave you this book and like, I saw you, I think a few days later or a week later, and I asked you, Hey, so how'd you like the book? And you were just like, I hated it. (laughs) It was, it was one of the worst books I've ever read. And you, you weren't even being funny or sarcastic. It was just so blunt. And I've, yeah, I don't know what happened there, but it was hilarious. It was hilarious. My goodness. Well, Yeah, I guess I filter myself more than I know. <laughs> yeah, I was on some pretty heavy painkillers and I also had a head injury too. So yeah, that, that part of me, hmm, so it's for the best. <laughs> you've made an amazing recovery. You're, I, I think you're 100% back to the way you've always been. So, But uh, yeah, it was just funny. I'm actually looking at that book right now. It's, it, I think you gave it back to me. It was a book of G.K. Chesterton quotes and it's okay. on my desk now. But it's okay because now I can read it, and uh, I'm glad. And <laughs> and you evidently like it more than I do. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for trying. I tried. Well, okay. Let's go back to imposter syndrome. Are, are you willing to get personal and just share for you what have been some of the most key ways that you've experienced this, and maybe 
Maybe it's something that you're going through lately, or maybe you can think back to a time earlier in your life in ministry where you really struggled with it. But can you get, can you give us some personal experience that you've had with imposter syndrome? Well, yeah, with whatever, I don't want to say that I've reached any kind of um, success because I don't want to, you know, be applying like worldly metrics to the kingdom of God and, I've, I've spent so much of my ministry believing and teaching and telling others and myself that, you know, it's not about numbers or gathering a crowd or anything like that. You know, now that I, you know, there are pretty substantial numbers and there is like a big enough crowd here at this church. I don't want to turn around and be like, okay, well now I'm successful. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I, I really, I truly do believe there's some very successful people with some you know, with, with Bible studies where four people show up and sometimes not even four, I think Mm. those people are still, you know, so faithful to the Lord and and faithfulness is so much more important than I think to some degree fruitfulness because faithfulness is in our control. Fruitfulness is outside of our control. That's so encouraging. Anyway, yes. (laughs) So, but now that there is a, what looks like an outward degree of, of, of success, quote unquote. Yeah. I've, I've Um, been to Calvary Cork and it's a great church it's a good amount of people when you're in the room on a Sunday, it feels just full of life and people. So, you know, even if I was somebody who just visited once, my perception of Calvary Cork without knowing anything internally would be, this is a, a thriving, healthy church. So I totally get yeah. what you're saying. Like that, that uh, felt success where it, it, it seems successful from the outward perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, and some, sometimes I think at my worst, I just think like, man, People, sometimes I thought people are here just out of pity. I've thought that. (laughs) And then also it's just like, I'm just like such a stubborn person that I've Mm. just like stubbornly pushed through and just kind of like done a poor job at everything for so long (laughs) that people have lowered their expectations. And now when people say, oh, this is great or I'm being blessed or whatever, it's all relative that they're, that, that expectations have been lowered so much mm. that people are, you know, satisfied with less. So I have like all these, these weird thoughts like that. And, and hopefully in this whole conversation, we don't only just dwell on this because I do want to like pivot and right. talk about some ways out of this. But I think those are some things, you know, previously, you know, you mentioned like, you know, these Gen X pastors that you've been, you know, learning from or whatever. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like I'm the most unqualified person in like every single room that I ever walk into mm. that, that, yeah, this assumption, I suppose that, that whispers to my ear that, you know, that everyone else is more godly. Everyone else is more harder worker. Everyone else is this or that or that. And look at you, who are you? You know, mm. you just happen to be born at the right time, or you happen to be in the class with the right person or you happen to be friends with so-and-so's son, and that's the only <laughs> reason why you're in X, Y, or Z group, you know? Yeah. And so those are some of the things that, again, I don't look at those as marks of character. I, I, I'm confessing, I guess, to, to you and to the listening audience hmm. that those types of things aren't, aren't valuable. It's not good. It's not honorific or godly to constantly be thinking those things because at the end of the day a lot of it is is vanity or it's pride or it's self-focus when perhaps I can be looking around a a room of my peers and my friends and just be like rejoicing that I get to be their friends and that I get to be in these conversations or that I'm even there to to serve rather than thinking inwardly like 
what if I don't deserve this? Or I hope they don't discover that I shouldn't be here in the first place. So yeah. I think that it's a lot of it, maybe to pivot onto calling it what it might be is it might be a form of, of pride or self-focus. But it, self I, feel like it, I feel like in the moment though, it feels like humility. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's sneaky. You know, there's, I call it like there's front door pride and there's back door pride. Mm. Like front door pride is like the really obvious one of, you know, the exaggerated sense of self, the loud, boisterous, like the typical American tourist, maybe <laughs> um, the the person that's constantly referencing themselves and the good things that they've done. And that right. looks obnoxious. You know, that's obvious. Yeah. There's, there's backdoor pride, which is just as focused on self, but is yeah, constantly self-deprecating, constantly comparing, constantly only looking at someone else for the sense of comparing yourself to them. Yeah. Like that, that's backdoor pride. That is yeah, imagining that you're far more important than you are when in the reality, humility allows us to, to say like, yep, I am not the most important person in the room, but I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad, I'm glad to serve. You know, I found myself at a, a few years ago, I think it was last year or the year before with you in New York with a bunch of other CGN guys. And I'm pretty sure almost everybody in the room was a senior pastor or somebody with a really important role. And I was a guy who had left a full-time church job, moved to Oklahoma where there was no ministry opportunities. And it was just what I felt like God wanted me to do. And I was so struggling with this, um, just kind of that back and forth pull between, I feel like the light side and the dark side of the force, if that makes sense, you know, where one minute I'm feeling humble and I'm just like, Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. And then other moments I would look around the room and I'd just be like, why am I here? Like, it doesn't make sense. I am, I feel like I am the weakest link. I am the least important person in this room. I had just started developing the Good Lion Podcast Network, but it was nowhere near, you know, a full established thing that would give me any sort of credibility. And then, of course, you know, there I, I always go back to this feeling, and I've, I've never really talked about this before on uh, a podcast, but my dad's a senior pastor. He brought me to that meeting. I can't remember how I ended up there. I don't know if somebody asked for me to come or if he, I think he asked if I could come along. So that's oh. a big thing for me with the imposter syndrome is, you know, my dad loves me. Like I, I know he loves me and he has always tried, he's always tried really hard to fight against the whole nepotism thing. Like when I worked at Calvary Vista, he didn't pave the way for me. There was a lot of hurdles and things I had to get past, but there's always this thing in the back of my mind where people are just assuming he's doing what he's doing because his dad opened up the door for him. You know, I got to teach at the Bible college, the book of Judges. I co-taught it with my dad. I loved it. I threw my heart and soul into it. I really cared about that class and the students and just trying to give a Christ-centered picture of the book of Judges. That was our whole focus. But then again, in the back of my mind, it was like, I'm, I'm only at teaching this because my dad opened that door. I'm only at this New York thing because my dad opened that door. And so that's a constant struggle for me. And it's, it's hard to balance whether or not it's humility or whether it's the imposter syndrome, <laughs> depending on how healthy I'm feeling mentally about it at the moment. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for, for sharing that. I never assumed. But that's the thing, though. It's our own insecurities are magnified and then superimposed on everyone else in the room. Mm. Imagining that. Yeah, because I, I 
would be a quite quite like self-critical person that's probably come across in this interview <laughs> but then I, <laughs> I I think that everyone else is just as critical of me yeah. as, as as I am and then the reality is like humility allows us to acknowledge the truth which is people aren't even thinking about you at all <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> like they're actually not there to think about you <laughs> they're not there to assess whether you should be there or not yeah. everyone has their own lives and they're they're you know participating in the group conversation or they're listening to the speaker or whatever and they're not being like who does Aaron Salvato think he is <laughs> just waltzing in here with us big wigs and here comes him. You know, that's not yeah, what that, anyone's that, thinking. That's the thing. When I was in that room with all you guys in New York, I didn't look at anyone else in the room and think, why are they here? I just assume, oh, they're here. They sh they're supposed to sure. be here. And that's yeah. what I heard from a few people when I opened up about this stuff. And they were like, oh, we just assumed that you were, you were supposed to be here. So it's, it's totally <laughs> true. People aren't thinking the way that we do about ourselves. Yeah. And I think that was a big, I don't want to say a turning point for me, but a, a big gift to myself was allowing myself to realize that people don't think about me very much and that's okay. And I mean, and that's actually good news. So in a world where everyone's trying to make something of themselves or everyone's trying to, you know, make others notice them or something, I think maybe I had the, the opposite where I think everyone thinks about me too much. And, you know, realizing in whatever role that I play, if it's, you know, I want to be involved in people's lives, but most people don't go around thinking, I wonder what Pastor Mike's thinking right now, or what's, you know, you know, that podcast I listen to every, <laughs> you know, once every three weeks, I wonder what he's doing now. You know, people don't think about me and that's fine. Good for them. And I wish that I could have that freedom to, to not worry so much about what other people think. Well, maybe if I can give you some encouragement and then maybe if I can actually... Oh, you want me to encourage you next? <laughs> no, but I just mean if I can if I can listen to myself, because I do this all the time. I say things in a sermon or I say things in an interview and then my wife is like, you need to listen to what you actually say and apply it to yourself. Um, but if I can encourage you and then myself by proxy, you know, the kind of people that I look up to and respect the most are not the people who are self-promoters and constantly just like, look at me, look at what I'm doing, my face, it's on social media, I'm doing this thing, you should listen to me. I don't respect those people as much. I respect the people who just faithfully do the things that God has called them to do. And they do it quietly and they do it in a way where, I mean, you're drawing attention to the content you're making, but you're doing it in a way that's just, it's simple and it's down to earth and you know, I feel like, like for you, Mike, you know, I, I, in the past I've listened to your Calvary Cork sermons and they've encouraged me. I now listen to Expositors Collective and I'm never thinking too much about, you know, like why is Mike doing this and when is he going to do more and, and what's his motivation <laughs> and who does he think he is? I just, I just hit play and I listen and I nod my head and I write down notes and I go, huh, that's encouraging. And I, and I feel like I've heard similar things from the content I make from people and in my mind, I'm, I overthink it so much. And I'm just like, oh, you know, what do they think about me? And, and, and how can I make sure this is the best it can be? But for the people on the other end, they're just like, yeah, this is great. This is encourages me. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, and one thing, too, that I've heard from people is, you know, for me, you know, there's this pressure I put on myself to constantly put out content. It's not enough to just do an interview with you this week. I'm also producing another episode for something else this week. And I, I put that pressure on myself. But what I've heard from people is, you know, there's been times where I've had to take a few weeks off 
and no one cares because mm. everybody has a million other content pieces that they're consuming. So if, if your podcast takes a break or whatever, or you don't, you know, post something on Facebook every day, there's a million other things people can pay attention to. And, and no one's really sitting there, you know, thinking ill of you that they're, they're just stoked when something else comes along the pipeline, even if it's a month later, you know? Wow. Yep. 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 And you know, the news feed doesn't even notice you're gone. People <laughs> might, so but like, it's, it's not even like, you know, someone's let's say scrolling and there's not even like a gray spot. That's like, Oh yeah, this is where Aaron Salvato would have put something if he, you know, it's not even yeah, there. Like right. it's just, it's replaced by something else. You know, there's no and empty that, slots. Uh, That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to make us feel unimportant because again, like we've, we, you know, God has called all of us in various ways to contribute to his kingdom and to build other people up. And however, you know, like what Mordecai said to Esther, you know, like maybe you're here for such a time as this, but if not you, like God is going to use somebody else. So we get a joy of being, being able to participate in what God's doing to be faithful to what he called us to do. And if we drop the ball, or if we take a well-deserved rest, then that's, that's okay. That's okay. I think that we're a lot, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of your heart and mind, but I think I'm a lot more demanding on myself than, than others are. And then mm-hmm. likely even God himself. I was going through some old like correspondence with an acquaintance of mine, uh, Shane O'Regan. And in an email he wrote, he said that God is far kinder to you than you could ever be to yourself. Mm. And for people that maybe are a certain personality type or certain, you know, content or performance oriented Mm. uh, mindset, you know, just the reminder. And I love the word kind that God is not just, he's not just nice. He's not just forgiving. Mm. He is forgiving, but he also is kind and he's far kinder to me than I can be to myself. And so it's just good to be reminded of just some good truths like that. So I came across that a couple, a couple of days ago and it really, really enriched me and I was really glad to hear it. So happy to pass that on to you. That's really, really good and, and really encouraging. And I love just thinking about God's kindness in that kind of context where we can always be our own worst enemy. I've been so guilty throughout my life of looking in the mirror and just not liking who I am and what I see about myself. And I I can be down on myself and not have a lot of self-confidence at times. But to know that God, I mean, it it just brings me back to uh, one of the most encouraging sermons I heard. I can't, I don't even know who taught this, but in fact, I'm pretty sure I've heard several people basically pull out this same angle, but they're just talking about Jesus when he begins his ministry and he's baptized uh, by John the Baptist and the dove, the Holy Spirit descends on him and he, the voice of God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And at that point in Jesus's ministry, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead. God was expressing, I'm just pleased with you because you're my son. And that's, that's the only reason I'm just, I'm pleased with you because of who you are intrinsically. And that's been so encouraging to me to know that my receptiveness of God's kindness is not dependent on what I produce or what I do. It's just dependent on who I am in him. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. And I came across another translation of that, Hmm. uh, Matthew 317, I think, or 316, but it says, this is my precious son and I am so proud of him. Hmm. 
And I read that and it was like a footnote of a, of a commentary. <laughs> and man, I got choked up, you know, yeah. my precious son. And I'm so proud of him. And just to think of that, yeah, that intra-Trinitarian relationship of mm. the father's acceptance and love and valuing of the son is so deep and rich. Mm. And then, you know, Aaron, that's what we're brought into. Like yeah. the spirit, as it were, like brings us into that. And he's, he's joined us to Christ. We're united to Christ. And so the relationship that the son eternally enjoyed with the father we get that. And yeah. so like it could be said about us, you know, you are my, you know, beloved son, my precious son. And I'm so proud of you. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, maybe we're all just really wounded people and we just need to hear that, but it's, yeah. it's and, and yeah, and I've, you know, maybe it was my sermon. I've, I've hit that a bunch, you know, I think we all do, you know, you said all of us, all of us, uh, generation X pastors, we're all just messed up father wounded people. <laughs> and so, but, and so I, I, every, I don't know, maybe once a year or something, I'll kind of talk about that, the, the pleasure of the father and the son and that baptismal moment, you know, mm. and, and I think it's important to hit it because I think that it's those identity things and, and the reality of that, it's not just his identity, but that's what we're brought into that we're in Christ. Mm. And it, it doesn't just emotionally impact me, like, and I don't want to be an emotional manipulator, mm. but like, man, if I ever want to make, if, if, if I want to hear like if I want just silence in the room, if I want like to make grown men cry, you know, it's just, it's just that, you know, yeah. that reality of the acceptance that the, that the father has of the son. And then the fact that that is extended to you. Yes. So I think that's the yeah. reality. Like, you know, we're probably going to pivot in a moment or maybe this is a good time to yeah. be like, how do we get, get out of this? Right. And yeah, I don't only just want to hear like confess all of my insecurities and wallow in this and we can <laughs> congratulate each other on who's the biggest imposter but you know <laughs> truly really we're the, the freedom of this is be, not believing our internal critic but believing the external witness of the father to the son and then believing the written word which tells us that we're part of that and so yes i am beloved by the father and it doesn't matter how much content, how many people attend, who downloads what, who clicks like on this or right. who who thanks me in their book. You know, <laughs> all of that is irrelevant. And I've never been thanked in a book. So I'm, <laughs> one I'm, day I didn't I, I didn't throw that out there. So you'd be like, oh, Mike, tell me <laughs> which who. book was it? I'm going to go Google. <laughs> yeah. But so all that is, you know, like all that just pales in significance to it. And mm. I think if we could really have our eyes on that, or if we have the, an annual or a weekly or a daily reminder of who we, what, what we get in Christ, I think it's going to expose everything else as insignificant. Yeah. And I think that's, that chases the imposter away. Absolutely. That's, that's so good. And I just know for, for me, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like my headspace is a roller coaster where sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down. The past two weeks, I can say I've been in a headspace where I have been getting my affirmation from Christ alone. And I can just say as somebody who's living in that moment right now, knowing very well I could pivot to the downside in a week or so if something happens just because I'm human. But as mm -hmm. someone who's living in that moment right now, it's such a good place to be. And it makes me 
want to work hard not to earn God's favor, but because I already have it. It's like I'm not working to gain something. I'm I'm working out of it. And then at times I can just sit back and rest and be like, I want to keep going, but I can trust that God's in control. I've got all the affirmation I need in him. I don't need to work extra hard for the the purpose of trying to get affirmation from other people. So I, I want to switch over to just briefly, you know, going over imposter syndrome again, you know, let's just continue to define it for people. Here's a list of four signs that you listening might be suffering from imposter syndrome. So uh, one is you feel like a fraud. The point of the phenomenon being called imposter syndrome is it makes you feel like a fraud. Two, it's difficult to accept praise from others. Three, you overwork yourself. And four, failure isn't an option. I, I just want to briefly get a few responses from you on this. W- one, why do you think it's so hard to find the balance between ego, you know, chasing affirmation and praise, and then struggling to actually accept praise from others? Wow. Well, maybe on that, I remember the first time that maybe someone exposed my like I was deflecting. Somebody was gave me a compliment hmm. and I deflected it in kind of an awkward, self-deprecating, humble, you know, <laughs> in, in air quotes, a humble way. <laughs> and yeah, so so somebody told me after I, I gave us as a graduation speech at a Bible college. And then afterwards, the person was like, you know, that was really good. And I was like, man, you know, sola deo gloria, I said, like, I was like being pious, like, I was being so pious. I was even saying glory to God in Latin. But that was me trying to deflect that. And, and, and this guy looked at me, he was one of my like kind of mentors at the time too. He's like, listen, man, don't you ever do that again. He's like, it probably makes you feel good, but it makes me feel stupid. He's like, I'm just trying to say something nice to you. And then you're trying to pull this kind of like holier than thou business. He's like, next time someone, next time somebody tries to give you a compliment, what you need to do is you need to say, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. He says that, you know, you deflecting it only makes the other person feel bad and it makes you look good. And I was like, I didn't know, but it was right. You know? So I, I remember that cause I was like, I was in his car and he like, he like pointed at me and he's like, don't you ever do that again? <laughs> so, Oh man, I think, that's such a good, that's such a good story to, to drive yeah. that home. <laughs> oh man. Yep. Uh, do, do you feel like yep. there's ever a place though for kind of the move where somebody is like, Oh my gosh, you were, you were so good. And you respond with, you know, the, well, actually, you know, the Lord is good or I, I don't know, like there's, there's been times where I've done that and it felt good to do it. And I've seen people do it well, but then that story you told just, I, I feel like I feel attacked right now. I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that as much. Like how did, how do we graciously accept a compliment without letting it feed our ego, because that can happen internally. That can happen. You you can have the most gracious response to a compliment, but then you can take that and start filing it away in this ego filing cabinet in your mind where you start to believe your own hype and you start to think, I am a really good preacher. I am really good at what I do. I I am a really good Christian or worship leader or whatever. And, And you start to think like, man, I am as good as what people say. That's kind of the the flip side of the coin. Right, right. Well, I guess, I mean, on a very practical level, the, the phrase that I've been using basically ever since, ever since then is, you know, I'll be like, hey, yeah, thank you. I'm really glad that you benefited from it. Yeah. That's my, that's my phrase. 
because it's true. I am glad that you benefited from it. You right. know, and, and, and it's, I think even the word it, it differentiates, mm. um, I don't want to say performance, but like the act that I've done. You're not saying, act I'm, I'm glad you benefited from me. Yes, exactly. I'm glad you benefited <laughs> from it. Hmm. And so I think that's, you know, that's a, a practical thing. But I think what, what the, what my, my old mentors pointed out is that like, there's not really a win in that for the person, the person's going out of their way to say something kind to you. Mm. And then there is a way, or at least the way that I did it by quoting some Latin phrase, you know, would have made a person who was just trying to be nice, would make yeah. them feel unspiritual and make them feel like, because obviously they weren't saying, Oh, you were good. And the Lord had nothing to do with it. You know, like you're mm. not telling them anything that they don't already even know. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah, he's just saying that he thinks that there's not, there's not really space for people to say that. <laughs> well, personally, one of the ones that has been helpful to me, cause it, I feel like if it comes from an honest, genuine place, it can be really good. But just letting, when someone thanks me for something that I've done, especially if it's a ministry thing, which it's not just me doing, but it's, it's the Lord doing through me. I just like to let them know how much it encourages me to, to know that it blesses them because I'm letting them know, like I need encouragement. Like I'm thankful for the encouragement. It's not like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, I did a good job with that. Thanks for acknowledging it. It's man, that's so encouraging. And I feel like it, it's, when it's not done out of false humility, it, it can actually be a humble thing. Letting someone know you're letting someone know that you're thankful for their compliment and also letting them know that you're somebody who just like them needs encouragement. So Hmm. I feel like that can be a helpful one. Um, And I think that's a way too of honoring, honoring them that hmm. they're, you know, people aren't obligated to go up and thank you. But if they do that, yeah, you're being honorific to them. Totally. And, And then a second thought in relation to believing like the praise that people could give us. I mean, I don't know about you, Aaron, but like, I've had people say terrible things about me. Like I've had, I've had, you know, people be, be vicious and deliberate and, you know, v- intentionally try to like, to tear me down. I've had a few, but it's mostly been from middle school students. And yeah. I, I can't imagine adult ministry scares me as, as somebody who's spent most of his time in youth ministry. So for you as a senior pastor, I can only imagine the horrors uh, oh goodness. Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to list out stuff because I don't want to give them the satisfaction of like listening to this one day. Cause they mm. do, they listen to a lot of my stuff even to this day. Oh, um, so I don't want to list out the stuff, but, but I think that has been to some degree a gift, but then also to some degree, um, uh, not a gift, but it helps me to know, okay, well, I don't really want to take the the extremes too much to heart. Yeah. If someone is just raving and ranting about like how great I am, well, okay, that's nice. If someone mm. is ranting and raving about how bad I am, it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I can see their points, <laughs> um, mm. but I'm not going to take it all to the extent. As Spurgeon said this, and I actually looked it up earlier on. Spurgeon says this, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him for you're worse than he thinks you are. <laughs> and that's partly true on the one end, you know? And so, yeah, I've, yeah. I've just had people very like viciously, deliberately use words and written content to like tear me down. So I think that also maybe tempers my ability to, to trust others assessments of me. Yeah. Cause again, I know that I'm fallen and messed up and I know that I have made mistakes, but not as much as they think that I have. 
And then also, I know that I have strengths and gifts, but probably not as much as that other person thinks that I have as well, too. <laughs> so there's, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's really good. I, I feel like one thing that we've learned just from just being in the place we are right now in history, seeing so many pastors and leaders having kind of the veil pulled back and peering into their inner lives and their successes and failures. I feel like we're at a place now where we just realize how human everybody is. And I feel like when you're a young Christian, like I know when I was a young Christian, there were, there were heroes of the faith that I looked up to, but it's like that saying goes like, never meet your heroes. There's been times where I've met my heroes and I've realized like through just even simple interactions, like, oh my gosh, this person I basically deified is just a man and has flaws. And I've actually seen some of those flaws up close now. And it makes me realize, you know, with my own flaws, the goal is not to be perfect. It's just to follow the perfect one. And it's to point Mm. people to the perfect one and to never put yourself on a pedestal because you'll dash people's hopes if they put their hopes in you because, you know, we're all messed up. We're all failures. And I feel like we shouldn't wallow in that, but we do need to always kind of have that in mind. And, and instead of hiding our failures and just thinking like, Oh, I'm going to be exposed. I'm going to be exposed. I've, I've propped myself up as this perfect person. That that's where kind of the imposter syndrome you're, if you're suffering from that, it's, it's from your own doing. You've caused it to yourself because you've set the bar so high where people think that you can't fail. And then, of course, as a human, you're, you're failing constantly. But if, if you, I, feel, I feel like a method to kind of combat this would be to actually set the bar up at Jesus and then let people know, I haven't reached this yet. I'm on a journey. I, I'm, tr- I'm trying just like you. Let's go on this journey together and we're going to stumble and fall along the way together, but let's pick each other back up and keep walking, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's on the one hand, some people are put up on a pedestal by others, Yeah, but some people do prop themselves up on a pedestal and, you know, when they fall, it's a You know, all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put you back together again. Yeah, it's true. Hey, you know what bothers me? Hmm. What the heck were the horses doing trying to put Humpty Dumpty (laughs) back together again? Like horses don't have fingers. Yeah, you can't really put an egg back together with hooves. That's not gonna, that's not gonna work. (laughs) Sorry, tangent, but that's awesome. Um, I just don't understand what the horses were doing. Mike, so let's just close with this. I want to ask you, what has been a way that you personally have overcome imposter syndrome? And for people listening who are struggling, what advice could you give them? Yeah, well, I I hesitate to say, oh, well, Aaron, this is how I overcame it. I think it's going to be something that I, yeah, probably continually will be doing battle with or Mm. will be... Yeah, needing to to gospel my way out of again and again and again. And I mean, the reality is in recent years, I've I've been, uh, you know, invited to join teams and certain platforms that I have have been raised. And you'd think that, you know, goodness, I'm, I'm 37 years old. Like I used <laughs> to think 37 was a really old age, you know, so I'm at this odd like so I'm, I think, yeah, I think the opportunities for, what's the word? 
the opportunities for imposter syndrome to crop up in my mind again haven't gone away because, you know, my name is attached to more things. I get to plan and be part of a lot of really, really great teams. And I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of people that I really, really respect. Hmm. And I still have that niggling thought of, of looking around and being like, what am I doing here? And what do they think I am versus what I actually am? So hmm. I think that's a long way to caveat my answer. So I don't think I have overcome it, but on on hmm. days when I do and in seasons when I when I am, I think, yeah, it's just a really confident... I'm not very confident about a lot of my abilities, but I do want to be incredibly confident in God's capacity to choose, to uphold, and to use a person. Hmm. I mean, funny enough, like the doctrine of predestination is a, a source of comfort for me. There are some tangents that come off of, of predestination <laughs> that are rather uh, uncomfortable, but but what is comforting is, you know, Ephesians 1 speaks about, you know, that God chose me before mm. all, you know, before I did X or Y or Z, like I, I was chosen. Mm. And, and chosen, just like we were talking about earlier on, the pleasure of the Father and the Son was not before Jesus did anything, mm. either on the cross, before he told a parable, before he healed anybody. He was already loved. And then the reality for me is I was chosen for salvation and also chosen for ministry before I did or proved anything. Mm. And so that is a wonderful reality uh, for me. And when I just think about that and think about, well, I, I wasn't brought onto God's team, as it were, because of my performance. And I certainly am not going to stay on his team or in his family because mm. of performance. That, that kind of frees me to be comfortable and to some degree confident in what giftings I have, but most of all, knowing that I'm, you know, secure in the beloved, that mm. I am beloved by God apart from my earning or my deserving or my performance, or as Oprah would say, my, my last good show, you know, that it's just a matter of I'm, I'm in, I'm eternally in, I'm mm. part of his family. I think that one way that we can encourage people to overcome this is kind of through what you've what you've demonstrated here on this show because what you've demonstrated here is vulnerability. You've come on here and you've said not like, "Hey, I am the expert. I have solved this problem. Here are Mike Neglia's five steps to overcoming this thing that I never had in the first <laughs> place, but I've noticed other people yes. have, so I wrote the method on it." You're you're coming on and you just said, "I still deal with this. I still struggle with it." So maybe maybe vulnerability and honesty is the first step in the battle for people. If you feel this way, maybe just, and I'm speaking to the audience, if you feel this way, if you're listening to what me and Mike are saying and you're just nodding your head, maybe open up to somebody about it, maybe a mentor mm -hmm. or a friend or another pastor, but letting people know that you deal with this is, I think, one of the first steps where people can encourage one another. And now you and I, Mike, we've had this conversation. We've opened up about this over text and now publicly for everyone to listen to. But we can we can help encourage each other over time and just remind each other, hey, you are called, um, you are gifted. I, I just had a buddy the other day who got laid off because of everything going on. And, uh, you know, I reminded him, 
you know, this has nothing to do with your calling. This has nothing to do with who God chose you to be and who you are. This is just a circumstance. You're still the same person, no matter what your job title is. You're still the same person with the same calling. And that's something that I've needed to be reminded of. And I've had great guys like you and some of the other Gen Xers I've talked about who've reminded me. And it's been so encouraging. And so yeah, I just think we need to continue to identify this in one another and remind one another of our calling and our gifting, not in a way that puffs each other up, but in a way that just encourages each other to keep going and, and to get the focus off of ourselves and back onto Jesus. Yep. 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 And yeah, on the one hand, other people aren't thinking about you nearly as much as you think that they are <laughs> on the one hand. And then, and then here's the other thing, like God thinks about you more than anything, you know, like more than the sand on the seashores, more than the stars in the sky. Like he, he thinks about you and with thoughts of like love and, and kindness and grace. So it's just a matter of just like aligning and, and getting, getting what we think lined up with, with what the reality is. It's like, not everyone is thinking about you. People are hardly thinking about you at all. I mean, what's that line? Maybe, you know, Aaron from like the Avengers, is it like <laughs> the girl goes like no somebody goes up to thanos at the end is like i've been thinking about you you took everything from me and he's like i don't even think about he's oh come on aaron don't let me down what is he i I don't know i'm I'm assuming he says something like i don't think about you or something like that yeah yeah well i'll figure it out (laughs) um i'll find the actual clip and play it you took everything from me I don't even know who you are. So as you just heard from that clip, you know, you know, this that girl is thinking that her her life revolves around what Thanos did to her. But Thanos Mm. doesn't even think about her one bit. And, you know, for those of us with imposter syndrome tendencies, we think that everyone is thinking about us all the time and judging us. And the reality is most people aren't. And that's the truth. But going back to that earlier, that earlier truth. You know, the, the father's thoughts of you are good and they are numerous. And yeah, he's the opposite what, of Thanos. Yes. Thank you for making that clear. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's always thinking about you, but it's, it's not judging you and evaluating you and criticizing you. It's, it's positive and it's good despite your flaws and failures. So dang that I just, I just felt a little bit encouraged right there. My goodness. Yeah. The, the true and greater non Thanos. <laughs> Jesus is the true and greater Thanos. Is that a new, is that a new sermon? (laughs) Yeah. Watch this space. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Really appreciate it. This was great. We've got to get you again. And uh, this was just a a joy and a treat to talk with you. Yeah. Can can I pray? Can I, do do you guys pray? (laughs) You know what? We never have, but maybe you'll start a new tradition. Brian and I usually do an outro with like some witty banter with some light music in the background, but I think prayer would be great, probably way more spiritual and more awesome than what we normally do. Well, so, I'm, I'm yeah. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm just aware this is such a, it's such a big thing and yeah, it's not just a matter of like, yeah, here's, here's five tips. Yeah. But there's people listening think, who genuinely struggle. Yeah. And I feel for them, you know, cause I, mm. I, I, I don't just feel for them. I feel with them. So yeah. yeah hey, let me, let me pray. And I yes. know that God can do more than, than I or any, any podcast can never mm. do. So father, I pray for my, my brothers and my sisters. I pray for these people who maybe aren't even able to like laugh about it in the mm. way that Aaron and I are, you know, we're, 
you know, I'm 37. Aaron's getting up there. He's not that old yet, but we're, we're progressing on like our, our lives are, are moving forward. There's been like your grace to us in so many different ways. And, and still this is an ongoing challenge. I pray for the, the, I'm just thinking of just the, the young people that are listening to this, that this is not, this is no laughing matter. It can be just a, a crippling sense of, yeah, just like worthlessness. And God, I just pray that by your spirit, that you would speak truth over lies, that you would bring refreshment where there's just like a dry desert, that you would bring hope in the midst of despair. God, I pray that you can just allow your truth to to wash over and to erase um, the lies that we tell ourselves. I pray that that your word would be a light to people's feet and a lamp to their path guide people out of despair and discouragement and false information and guide them towards your light and your love and your truth. Again, hopefully my experiences, my thoughts, hopefully Aaron's experiences and thoughts might be to some degree illuminating to people, but Lord, we look to you to do what only you can do. There's only so much that this or any podcast can do, but God, by your spirit, would you just rewrite people's stories discard the untruth and to treasure the truth. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. The more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.